2: Welcome to Clash of the Titles, the podcast that sees two movies with something in common go head-to-head to see which one does it better. On this week's episode, in the red corner, originality is dead. No, not a scathing critique of modern Hollywood, but the modus operandi of a serial killer stalking the streets of San Francisco, who rather than come up with fresh ways to do his art, instead replicates the greats. Like modern Hollywood, it's 1995's Copycat.
0: What turns on a killer is the suffering and death of another human being. And as his determination builds to take another life, he plans in obsessive detail what props he'll bring, what knots he'll tie. Let me ask you guys something. What turns you on? A criminal psychiatrist. There's a serial killer out there who strangled three women. He's gonna do it again. A homicide detective.
2: Would you work with us on this? You're kidding, right?
0: I do not want you discussing this case with her in any shape, way or form. It's the Boston Strangler. You're telling me this guy's copycatting a serial killer's been dead for... 20 years.
2: While in the blue corner, as the trailer famously and hilariously declared, there's a murderer on the streets. He's stalking the innocent. He collects bones. The Bone Collector. Seriously, that was the trailer from 1999. We're on the trail of The Bone Collector.
0: Stay back until I work the crime scene, okay? Detective Lincoln Rhyme was New York City's leading forensic cop. Until an accident disabled his body and destroyed his spirit. 9286. Now, a killer with no mercy... He needs her to go where he can't.
2: Just tell me what to do next.
0: We don't want to disturb any footprints he might have left. I can't do this. Yes, you can. I'm with you every step of the way. She needs him to interpret the clues. I got a bad feeling about this. Doesn't that kind of look like a face? Third piece of the puzzle. She's going to be near or in the Woolworth building.
2: Someone's in there. She's crying. The perk could still be in there, for God's sake. I gave you so many clues, and you failed. There's a killer out there. He's laughing at us. I want this son of a bitch so
3: bad. Some people win, some people lose. The game is over.
2: So what connects these two films and which one does it better? Let's find out. It's Clash of the Titles. Release the Kraken. Hello, Clash Putters. Let me ask you guys, what turns you on? I'm Alex
3: Zane I'm Vicky Crompton I'm Squirrel Covers I mean Chris Ah! <laughs> <laughs>
2: I like it I actually like it Should we start using it? I think so I In think, what context? Okay.
1: Oh, because Christmas is coming up, I guess So yeah. what do
3: you want for Christmas? Some Squirrel Some Covers, squirrel covers. Yeah, Of course Those are knickers if you haven't seen Copycat But you will have seen Copycat Because we're about to talk about sure. Copycat
2: Yeah Knickers Panties Don't say panties Alright, Squirrel Covers it is <laughs> Squirrel covers it is. Uh right then. You both well? Chris? Yeah, 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 Vicky. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah? Got a
3: little bit of a cough. I've
1: got a bit of a cough, but also I didn't tell you, I went for a run yesterday for the first time since I would say twenty fourteen. That's Who why are
3: you? that's why you're <laughs> coughing. <Yeah. laughs>
1: <laughs> no, not, it's not a cold. I went very slowly. Where's Vicky? I know, I don't know what's happened.
2: Why did you go for a run?
1: Just because I was like, my heart needs it, you know? It's not going to happen by itself.
2: So the, this has just been a gradual build up over time, or has some event occurred? Did you find no. yourself out of breath in a supermarket never buying to talk, some that's B&H? What you're Excuse me. <laughs> right, it is.
1: No, I've just decided it's time to do one thing, just one thing. And
2: I've, you've done it now. I've done it now,
1: so <laughs> I don't have to do it again. So now I'll live forever.
2: How but, far did you run?
1: Well, I didn't really... Let's not think about it in terms of distance. Let's think about it in terms of time spent running. 40 minutes. That's good, isn't it? Is it good?
2: 20 metres. I don't
1: know. I don't know, went up and down a hill. Huh? Yeah. OK. Thanks.
2: You good, Chris? Yep. Yeah. Great. So, uh, without wanting to get into a weird timeline chat, our second live show happened on Thursday last week. Were you there? We think it happened. It definitely happened. Okay. Yeah. It, it was,
1: it, it was, re- it was really good. Was it? Yeah.
3: Oh, good. You looked
1: amazing.
3: Thank you. Just a
1: we- little note to my future self don't Let- drink all that tequila.
3: <laughs> Let's look forward, though. Okay. Okay. Can we look forward to January? Oh, you want to look forward to January now? Let's look forward to January then. Yeah, okay. Because as we did this year and as we've talked about on the Twitter, we want you to pick our films in January. Mm -hmm. Um, We want you to pick pairings and email them to show at clashpod.com. Please email them. Don't tweet us. Please email them. Then I'll have them all in one place. And we're going to kick off with... Uh, something that we've already picked uh, because it was suggested by a bunch of people last year. And we never got around to it. Okay, but the rest of we're doing a then we're going we're then going to do another four weeks of your your picks this year.
2: Okay, so it's a five week handing Clash Pods control over mm. to you. So as Chris said, because he likes things neat. He likes things in one place so it's the email you want to use. Don't tweet us. No. Show at clashbot.com. Yeah. All right, get your picks in. That's going to be exciting. I love listener picks in January. It's a great time of year. But back to now, The Bone Collector versus Copycat. How excited were you guys to do this pair that I picked? I was excited. Good. I really was. Good. Because it wasn't you who texted on no. Saturday night going, "Can we change the movies?" Far too late. Yeah. Weird thing to do.
3: Mm. mm. No, still doing them. I'm still doing them.
2: <laughs> yep. <laughs> didn't appreciate the text, Chris. Just airing it right now. I think the problem is I have set the bar very high with my previous picks on this show. Yeah, Free Jack versus Labyrinth. Yeah, The House of Wax versus The Relic. Oh, I forgot. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm sort of always competing against myself mm. for great pairings. Strong. And I think this is up there: The Bone Collector versus Copycat. Um, I'm I'm excited about these movies. <laughs> So let me explain why I did pick them. I have seen both these films once before and I wanted to do them again because I can't remember either of them very well. I love a serial killer movie and I know The Bone Collector doesn't have the best reputation, but I, for the life of me, cannot remember, with all the talent involved, how it turned out. (laughs) Like it did. (laughs) Not as great. So I wanted to check that and make sure I was right. Uh, Plus, the connection is really strong this week. Housebound geniuses solving serial killer crimes. I love it. So the clue I gave last week was, repeat after me, Dem Bones, Dem Bones, Dem, Dry Bones. Oh, do you
1: want us to do it? Well, yeah, it's the clue. Oh, Dem Bones, Dem Bones, Dem, Dry Bones.
2: Thanks very much. And Chris? The
3: Imitation Game. I was trying to remember. Yep,
2: that's what you followed it up with on Twitter. So we are on Twitter at ClashBot. Also, Instagram at ClashBot and the guesses left a trail of the dead as they made their way to us. Some very close. And Mike went for The Bone Collector versus Kiss the Girls. Pete Mahoney went The Bone Collector versus Seven. Leah McPhee went copycat versus Zodiac. Yeah. We've been trying to think of a great pairing for seven. I think we may have one. That's a future show. But congratulations, Danny Baker, who correctly guessed The Bone Collector versus copycat. Your prize is to stand up in an auditorium and be told you might be a serial killer because that's what I paid for with my education. That seems fair. Unbelievable. So, connection section. I've done the main one. Housebound geniuses solving serial killer crimes.
1: Uh, computer chess. Oh, they they do. Mm, They do. Yeah. Uh, Dead Presidents. So in Copycat, Helen recites Dead Presidents to help her with her fear.
2: Mm. What's her fear called? Agoraphobia. Which is how I've always pronounced it. Yeah. But you watch this movie. They say agoraphobia. Agoraphobia. I
1: thought it was two separate things for a minute. I had a panic, but it's not.
2: I looked it up. It's spelled agoraphobia. It is, yeah. But we say agoraphobia, don't we?
1: Agora, Yeah.
2: Agoraphobia. Agoraphobia. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. You're fine. Okay. Got a connection anyway,
1: with? dead president. Oh, sorry. Yeah. She recites the dead presidents, uh, and he's called Lincoln. Rhyme in the Bone collector. So there you go. That's a dead president. That works. It's fine. It does. Yeah. I'm just let me do my last one because it's my favorite one. Saying database like it's a foreign word. <laughs> That's my favorite. Yeah. We need that database.
0: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: is some brilliant Dermot Mulroney yeah.
3: Dermot Mulroney talking about computers and copycat oh my god it's my
1: favourite bit wait till we get
2: there
3: <laughs> any connections Chris? Uh, they're both copycat killers yeah they are uh, they both have scenes of a serial killer picking up prey at a nightclub mm. uh, they've both got creatures crawling all over a person oh yeah ants and rats yep <laughs> yeah. uh, both have a character who changed sex do ants
1: like blood I don't know
3: <laughs> I, over, I really feel that there should be a pop star <laughs> called ants and rats <laughs> that's a boring one I'm not going to say that one and um, gigantic apartments that the character shouldn't be able to afford true yeah mm, good that's all i got <laughs>
2: Right then, so on Thursday, Chris is following a murderer on the streets who's stalking the innocent. He collects bones, <laughs> the Bone Collector, which means today V is proving anything Chris can do, she can do identically. V, takes on a journey. <laughs>
1: who on earth drinks brandy after they've brushed their teeth just before bed? Dr Helen Hudson, that's who, because she's traumatised after a run-in with all oh, shucks knife-licker Daryl Lee Cullum. So she's housebound and super grumpy with scant understanding of internet security. When a stranger emails you with I've got a game and a really sketchy file path, that's a virus. Don't download it. Anyway. Helen's helping, whispery voice Holly Hunter, who's great and wise, Except she's not, because her silly insistence on preserving human life will eventually get her boyfriend killed. And there's a copycatting serial killer on the loose who's imitating all the greats. DeSalvo, Dahmer, Berkowitz and Daryl Lee Cullen, I guess. (laughs) So Helen craftily lures him to her house with early Photoshop, but then not craftily gets bonked on the head and taken back to the place she was brutalised 13 months, not 12, ago. MJ turns up and gets shot but it's fine because we literally saw her put on a bulletproof vest about 20 minutes ago (laughs) Phew! and she's learned her lesson because rather than disarming the serial killer to incarcerate him forever and study his brain something Helen herself is a huge advocate of she shoots the hell out of him because that's the moral of this film if you're going to kill someone do it properly (laughs) there you go very good. I have seen this once before, very hungover in our student house. And that's it.
2: Was I there? Was it our period or before then?
1: It was that blue house, yeah. The house in East London, if you were, wish you were there for. Manor Park? Yes. Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah I, and I enjoyed it, I did. i just, I'd forgotten how... I think, and this is just a sign of the times changed a bit, just how nasty it is. But I do remember liking it at the time, so I can't deny that. What about you?
2: Yeah, I I watched it in the latter half of the decade, we call the 90s, uh, not long after it's released. Uh, Probably because my mum was a massive Sigourney Weaver fan. Loved Sigourney Weaver. And I actually interviewed Sigourney Weaver once for Avatar. And I said, I got to watch Aliens when I was about eight years old, way before I should have done, because my mum wanted me to have strong female role models in my life. <laughs> and Sigourney Weaver went, well, your mum sounds like a great woman. And I played <laughs> yeah. that video to my mum and she was like, ah! <laughs> So I nice. got I that's got brownie points for that. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I think that's why I was allowed to uh, to watch it because I was still pretty young. Um, I didn't remember it, like, at all. But mm. I remember enjoying it. I remember oh, it's one of those movies that I've always thought, I want to go back to this at some point. I want to watch this again. Yeah. And I'm glad we have. Yeah.
3: Yeah, I uh, watched it same era as you guys. And all I can remember is thinking it was a really horrible, nasty, unpleasant film. <laughs> so I didn't vow to never watch it again, but I kind of hoped I would never see it again. Do you still think it's nasty? Yeah, I uh, think it's very I nasty. I think it's a nasty, think it's nasty, nasty film. But I
1: have a reason as to why that is. Okay. That, that's sort of... It helps, you know, because it was ninety five.
2: I didn't feel this was any nastier than any other serial killer movie. This doesn't stand out to me as particularly nastier than The Bone Collector, nastier than Seven.
1: It's not. Yes, I mean the Seven thing we'll come back to a lot because both of these films suffer from not being Seven. Yeah.
2: Um, and wanting to be Seven,
1: but it's
3: quite exploitative, sort of having fun with the real with real life murders. I think you know, in a way that Seven, it's all completely fictional, whereas here, I think they're kind of
1: yeah, they're making them into they're making them more famous than they already are. Which,
3: interesting. And yeah. the only other thing I really remember about it was Harry Connick Jr. Mm. It's for some reason just really stood out. I guess I can see why watching it again, but it's sort of it's quite memorable. I mean, partly because he's so over the top, because obviously he's barely in it, but also because of I guess how different they made him look. It was just kind of a bit of a shock to the system to see that bloke playing that role. True.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I didn't remember Harry Connick Jr. I until I watched it. I was like, oh. It's not Stephen Lang. (laughs) I (laughs) swore it was Stephen Lang as the copycat killer in this. I think I'm thinking of the hard way for some reason.
1: Okay, so this this week, uh, for a change, I don't have much background and I really looked. I went on to like maybe page five or six of
2: Google. OK, so basically, we can be clear about this. We picked these movies in part because we've got a live show on Thursday. This <laughs> Thursday. It was last Thursday, but in the timeline world, it's this Thursday. So we wanted slightly easier movies to do this week. And God, there's very little on either of these.
1: There's just not. I was just really struggle. I'll just tell you what I've got, just in case people don't know it. And I've tried to pull out something that may be interesting. So it's based on a script by Anne Biderman, who wrote on the first series of NYPD Blue. And there's an uncredited rewrite from Jay Press and Allen. And apparently, so I read a review in the New York Times that said the credits are scripts by Anne Biderman and Jay Press and Allen. So there's one credit there from a story by David Madsen. But if you go on David Madsen's Twitter, he reckons he's the screenwriter of Copycat, not story based on or whatever. <laughs> and then I saw a couple of drafts that had Frank Pearson as a writer. Uh, who you know him from? Dog Day Afternoon mm. and Cool Hand Luke. So that's like quite heavyweight. That's quite some serious stuff. And also a rewrite by um, J. Preston Allen is not nothing as well. But Anne Biderman, she's the constant on all the drafts. So I think that's why. That you know, if you're on Wikipedia, that's the main credit kind of thing. She
2: went on to. She's had some uh, success since this as well. She did Primal Fear, which she, was a yeah,
1: what's well, that big hit? And Southland.
2: Don't know about that. She did Ray Donovan though. That's she, it. Yes. Yeah, the 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 series with uh, what's her name? Leave Schreiber. Yeah, she was the yeah. creator of that.
1: Yeah. Um, so this is where I start to just spiral off into whatever I could find, uh, produced by Arnon Milchin, who former Israeli president Shimon Peres said he recruited for LAKAM, which is an acronym for the Science Liaison Bureau. So he apparently sold nuclear parts or <laughs> harvested nuclear parts for Israel's alleged nuclear program. So there you go. I found that. From a couple of sources. Okay. I'm not just like taking a big swing there. Uh, Starry Sigourney Weaver. A- a-
3: Alex and I didn't say that, by the way. <laughs> no, paper. I, know, I, do, <laughs> I don't, do not approve of this message.
1: Okay. Um, so Sigourney Weaver. So her biggest thing at that time, you know, obviously a long and illustrious career, was probably Dave or Alien 3. Holly Hunter, who just won an Oscar for the piano. And Harry Connick Jr., who'd done Memphis Bell, And this is just before Independence Day and your favourite
2: Kick the tires and light the fires. Thank you.
1: And then the only other thing I can find which may be of interest is it Copycat itself got sort of pulled into, do you know The Woman in the Window, That the whole saga around, not just that it being quite a shit film. Mm, but...
3: I do. <laughs> I know, big time. I find it thrilling. Yeah. I want to see a movie about that bloke.
1: Yeah, me too. Do you know about this? No. So there's a writer called Dan Mallory who wrote The Woman in the Window under the pseudonym A.J. Finn. But as Dan Mallory, but it was a, it was a massive, massive smash, like overnight sensation. It this went, is a book. Yeah,
2: the woman in the window is a book. Right. So
1: it's now a film with Amy Adams.
2: I saw that. That's the only point of reference I have, and that film is atrocious. Yeah,
1: apparently it's awful. But it's, it's one of those brilliant. It was, it was supposed to be like Gone Girl, The Girl on the Train, like massive, massive book, mm. brilliant film kind of thing. And it, it just that didn't happen. But the New York Times, no, the New Yorker, they wanted to um, find out more about Dan Mallory because there was he told all his friends that he had cancer. And then it was thought that maybe he was, he recalled lying about that, is the exact phrase. So then they were like, well, what else is he lying about? So this huge, huge, like long read on him in the New Yorker implies that he's lied about quite a lot of stuff and it sort of zeroes in on the origin story for the woman in the window and their exact line is the origin story for the woman in the window seems to be underwritten so he sort of said i was at home and i was on medication and i had a bit of a rear window moment and that was it and they sort of pre-see the plot of woman in the window and then they pre-see the plot of copycat and they're like it seems quite similar like an unreliable narrator Do you want the
3: paragraph here? Yeah, go So this is the synopsis that they say applies to both stories. An American woman in mid-career, a psychologist with a PhD and professional experience of psychopathy is trapped in her large home by agoraphobia. She has been there for about a year after a personal trauma. If she tries to go outside the world spins, she drinks too much and recklessly combines alcohol and anti-anxiety medication. Police officers trust her judgement. Online she plays chess and contributes to a forum for stress sufferers, uh, which is where the danger lies. And so they said that synopsis applies to both uh, of the films. And she even she her login is even very similar in a computer.
1: <laughs> yeah, like um, she doc and something else. She doc, doc the
3: doctor is in. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean the idea is that he's really everyone who has has dealt with this author said he's a Tom Ripley like character. Mm. Yeah. That is how every who everyone compares him to. So, it's it's riveting.
1: Yeah. It is, it's, it, and it's, it's one of those classic like New Yorker pieces like, did you read the bad art friend thing? And someone in The Guardian made a good point that every so often the New Yorker zeroes in on a real like microcosm of society and makes this huge story that's like, isn't this fascinating? But it involves like three or four people. This one's slightly more interesting because his book was a huge bestseller. Mm. Um, they did one about someone who couldn't get rid of a tenant in a New York, brownstone and they made this like five or six page article <laughs> about not being able to shift
3: this tenant and she was like a grifter and stuff it was very interesting but they, they interviewed um they phoned up john emile who directed copycat and i remember this quote yeah he yeah. didn't know about this but he said that yeah the quote was wow and then uh later he spoke to them and said it was probably not actionable but certainly worth noting and one would have hoped that the author it's might easy. have noted it himself
1: hmm. yeah and then um that's literally all i have oh no so it made copycat made 32 million dollars do you want to know what seven made yes <laughs> 327 million
2: Yep, yeah that's a bit of shit. and this came out a month after seven something yes. like that i mean it was still in the shadow of seven yeah. there's a bit which we'll get to in the movie which is so seven like you can't help but feel that it was added in after they'd seen seven yeah, to make this feel more like seven
1: So that's as much as I have. Uh, Let's talk about the film, unless anyone has anything more.
3: The only thing I read that I thought was quite interesting was the character of MJ, played by um, Holly... What's her chops? Hunter. Hunter. Holly Hunter was, uh, in the original script, was a a man called Jack. Obviously. And there was romance between the two lead characters. Mm. And so um, they changed it to a woman. And apparently took out the romance. But I guess we could talk about that when we talk about the film, whether there's a connection between the two main women characters.
1: I mean, I wonder, you'll tell me with Born Collector, but was Amelia written as a man as well? Because they've got some of those hallmarks of like, write them as a man, cast a woman, and then be like, oh, look, we've made a brilliant no. woman.
3: no. She was a, a former model in the book, just like she is in the oh, film, which I think is funny. Only a man series. would have written that forensic expert <laughs> yeah. used to be a model. <laughs> yeah, not to jump out. He's like,
1: you were a model. She's like, the pain I've seen. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, then. So here we are. We will meet Dr. Helen Hudson, played by Sigourney Weaver, giving a creepy TEDx talk about serial killers, which is her area of expertise. She will later say, I'm the damn pin-up girl. But like you always say, Alex, let someone else say it. Shall we not <laughs> isn't it?
3: <laughs> We're clear, though. They're 20 to 35 years old, Alex. Mm. We've crossed the threshold. Oh,
2: yeah. oh, congratulations. We're out of the woods. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs>
3: it was touch and go for a while. but
2: sure. I, Temptation. You know, once I hit 35, gone. All the urges. You didn't uh, want to put
1: anyone's head on a stick. Disappeared. That's awesome. <laughs> unbelievable. Stopped
2: doing it. <laughs> Threw out all my stockings, ready to be wrapped. <laughs> Oh, God. Yeah, we, we, we know you haven't thrown out your stockings, <laughs> no, Alex. Oh. But I put them to other good uses.
1: Yeah, on your legs. That's right. So, yeah, she's making this, st- and it's a still valid, and as far as I know, like, still true point, that most serial killers are young white men. And in the U.S., there are around—I mean, this number's probably gone up—but she says there's about 35 on the loose at any given point. But that's in
2: 95. so She it's it says, "Yeah, I mean, that's the weird thing. Not that it's a healthy conversation to be having, but I was—I was saying this, this is probably not true anymore because of like the advances in forensics, DNA, and obviously uh, being able to track people's phones and all the rest of it. You've got to imagine that yeah. if you wanted to be a serial killer." You know, back then, seventies—that was your heyday.
1: That was your heyday because the so the easy attributes are the creation of interstate highways and hitchhiking. Mm. So interstate highways, lots of women deciding to leave home and hitchhiking, and then it, they were sort of more vulnerable because of this to people picking them up, and also because you know from Mindhunter, people the U.S. police force. Didn't swap files over county lines, over state lines, rather. Mm. So if you cross state lines like Ted Bundy did, it took a long time for people to catch up with you.
2: I'm reading a John Grisham novel at the moment because I couldn't get through that. You're book still you gave fucking me.
1: reading it. <laughs> yeah. How hard is it to <laughs> read a really, John Grisham it's really novel? Easy. When I do
2: think... I have time to read? It's called The Judge's List, but it's all about how. You're never judge... going to finish that book I lent you. I'm not being funny. What's it I called again? you. It's called
1: Roscoe. Roscoe, yeah.
2: <laughs> it was just quite difficult to read. John Grisham. Really easy. Uh, but yeah, it's about how this, like individual states, the police force is not interested in crossing state lines. Yeah. To, so murderers, as long as they did it in another state.
1: So this is the thing. So one of the people, so Helen has a bit of a weird, does she see. Harry Connick Jr. who's playing Daryl Lee Cullum, does she not kind of thing. At this point, he's killed two women and Helen's expertise has put him away. So you'll find out that he's escaped to come and stalk her during her lecture. But he's he's escaped a killer, which would make him a serial killer. He's only killed only killed two people. So he's mm. not a serial killer yet until he tries to kill her. So it's he,
2: three the magic number.
1: Three's the number, right. yeah. Um. So he kills a cop and he tries to hang Helen in the bathroom, which is super elaborate and doesn't make much sense.
2: Why don't we have toilet seat covers like that in the UK? They're she a puts big, down... Yeah, she, she does in the end, but that's because they've run out of toilet seat covers. Oh, if see. you've ever been to America, every public toilet yeah. has a little thing where you can pull out a toilet seat cover that fits perfectly over the seat. It's
1: an interesting point, is it? Because are you supposed to look at that and think there's a woman who already has an issue of a control? Or are you thinking, very sensible, Helen, that toilet is probably vile?
2: I think it's an automatic thing that you do in the US. You just reach for those toilet seat covers because yeah. they're provided. It's natural. We well, don't I, have I, them here. But
3: I'd wondered, because you've, I've never really seen that in a, in a film before, I wondered if they were trying to draw that parallel. But then yeah. is that... Not a good parallel to be drawing.
1: Exactly. <laughs> if don't like
3: germs, I might be, you know, am I going to become agrophobic? Yeah. Maybe you wouldn't make that connection now. But no, just I just, because I've never seen that in a movie, I wondered yeah. if, it, if it was. The
1: point being, I can't believe we're talking about this as much as we are, but they've run out of covers. So most people think, I'll just leave it. Maybe more. Sorry, that's me being judgmental. Do you, but you she use thinks, them No, I'll, I'll do
2: a whole one. Do you one. use them then when you're in the States? I don't because I'm just not programmed that way. I just no. wipe down the toilet seat. Yeah, I do that a Yes. Lot. Yeah. yeah, fine. Good. Okay. I do wipe the toilet seat though. Yeah. yeah, 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 we're all on the same way. With though. your hands, it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah, I wipe,
3: I wipe your toilet, and then, then well. I sniff it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Anyway, Darrell Lee Cullum, he licks a knife, so he must be crazy. Mm. But wait till you see what he does to envelopes in the final <laughs> credits.
2: Why are you doing my gun? How'd you get my gun?
1: <laughs> he's good. He's great. He's good, but he's very, he's very over the top. Yeah, yeah,
2: that's what you want for a serial killer. John Doe's over the top in seven. No, yeah. <laughs> detectives. Oh, <yes. laughs>
1: Eventually, yeah. Yeah. They,
3: they they scuzz up his face though. Yeah. What if you're an actor with a scuzzed up face? And you can't what? get those roles. You can't get those <laughs> roles. I think it's super unfair. We're just going to tell you, super handsome guy. That's
1: a really good point. And
2: today, he wouldn't have been casting that role. It would no. have been an actor with a scuzzed up face. Good. Yeah. Mm.
1: Absol- <laughs> an absolute bloody load. Change is a good thing. Yep. So, anyway. How'd you get my gun? <laughs> is, is it your gun? I don't get it. <laughs> did he take it? Because he's it?
2: mad. Oh, it's right. not his gun. He's just, <laughs> he's just mad. He's just mad as I'm life. mad. It's not my gun. I know it's not my gun. How'd you get my gun?
1: It's not even yours. So, anyway. Anyway, 13 months later, I really hung up on this. Not 12, not 18, 13.
2: She wakes up from a nightmare. And she's not in that toilet anymore. She's at Gateway Station orbiting Earth, having been asleep for 57 (laughs) years. She does do good waking up from a nightmare. Mm. It was Ripley on the Gateway Station.
1: (gasps) I mean, that's the thing. Before you... it, It takes a while for you to unpick film language from your real life. When you really wake up from a nightmare, you don't do the... Like springing up out of bed, you just wake up and like grab something and look terrified. Where you
2: the you grab your chest where the alien was coming out of, That's yeah. true, actually. Grab your yeah, your throat where the hand was. <laughs> do yeah. you do you not sit? I wake up screaming sometimes.
1: I wake up with a <gasps> like that,
2: yeah. yeah. I wake up with a <laughs> 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 yeah.
1: and Genuinely. no one else wakes up. I'm like, why are you not bothered? I've woken up and gone, <gasps>
2: nothing. Mm. It's because people have become desensitised to it. Mark hears it every night. I
1: do have very frequent nightmares. I did nightmare last night. Yeah, it was awful, absolutely awful. And it's really ruined
2: my day so far. It was horrible. I'm I'm half joking. I don't wake up all the time screaming, but I do find it quite scary when you do wake yourself up with your own scream. It's a very strange experience.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's horrible, isn't it? It's really awful. Um... Anyway, so Helen is housebound and she's traumatised and she's got agoraphobia, which I thought was fear of open spaces, which I think a lo- maybe a lot of people did. Um, is it not? No, it's not. It's specifically fear of being in situations where escape would be difficult, i.e. public transport, which isn't a big space but has limited options for escape and for getting out, which is why people with it tend to be scared to leave the house. It's not the big, wide-open space that does ah. you in. It's that you don't know your
2: options. Okay.
1: That's interesting,
2: isn't it? So she lives through her chat rooms. God, oh, remember chat rooms. Oh, I
1: loved it. Yeah. Early chat rooms. Early
2: chat rooms. She uh, has been housebound for 13 months. She's got on the chat rooms. She doesn't realise that when your name comes up, she you you then don't need to sign your message, She doc yeah. like an idiot.
1: You've got such a fucking boner for early technology in this. I just loved it. I love the fact she's got multiple monitors, which at the time you have been like, wow, who can do it? Anyway, let's just park her for a second and let's meet MJ, played by Holly Hunter, and Ruben Dermot Mulroney. We need some detectives because obviously Helen isn't going to be able to leave the house. So here are the people that will guide us through this cat and mouse. And these two are so fucking sweet. I love them. And I'd forgotten all about Ruben. I'd remembered Holly Hunter, but I'd forgotten. So there's never been anyone as marked for death as that man, apart from Andy, Helen's assistant. And they both die within about 10 seconds
3: of each other. I thought we established in The Line of Fire had the most marked for death. I know,
1: but I think this guy (laughs) beats it. The
3: Dermot Dermot, Dermot Mulroney and
2: Dylan McDermott, yeah. Dylan McDermott. Yeah. I mean it's it's a close call. I'd still say Dylan McDermott wins it. But sure, why not? You can have Dermot Mulroney. I just couldn't co- believe it. Yeah, it's cuz he's so sweet. You like the couscous? <laughs>
1: This is such a weird arc, but it pays off. And so let's just give it a little bit of space.
2: Um, Oh,
1: not the couple. right? Her arc, she is cool, under pressure. She's wise. She's kind of teaching him. They're at the shooting range, like exercise practice thing. And he shoots, he overkills. He shoots to kill kind of thing and like blasts the dummy, the paper thing full Mm. of bullets. And she's like, no, a shoulder shot. That's what it will take. Because you've taken a human life and all the rest of it. And she will be proven to be wrong by the end of the film, which is a crazy message.
3: Yeah. Maybe really- not Maybe not for 1995. It would be now.
1: Yeah. She's just trying to do the right thing. She doesn't want to take a human life.
2: The fucking idiot.
3: She gets one person killed with her theory. Yeah. And <laughs> she
2: almost, I mean, the worst part is, I know we're going to jump to the end, but we might as well do it now because it's on topic. But literally, she is like just one shot to the shoulder. And then she does that with Dermot. Mm-hmm. He gets killed because of her theory. Yeah. And she literally does it again with the serial killer. She shoots him in the shoulder and it's only when he starts pointing a gun at her mm. that she goes, oh, actually, yeah, oh, fuck. I forgot. That's right. It was D- Dermot died this
3: way. I should probably kill him. <laughs> yeah. But that's the wrong message, isn't it? That shoot to kill is the right policy.
1: Yeah, that is the wrong message. I think mm. because she's right. You know, they're like she, Ruben, like shoots the the paper thing of like the seventy year old man. She's like, what if it was this and this and this and
2: whatever. And in fairness, like she isn't that well. She is upset by Dermot's death, but she's not like it's all my fault. She says quite clearly to her captain, she goes, "I made a call, and in this instance, it was wrong." In yes. quite a collected way, so she isn't like. You know, I was wrong. My theory's always been wrong. It's like I got unlucky.
1: Yeah. Okay. Uh, Listen, and so Andy, uh, And did you recognize Andy, anyone?
2: Yes. Yes. <laughs> Did you recognise Andy, most importantly? Did Did you, Chris? No.
1: He's the stress librarian in Ghostbusters. And it took me ages to figure it out because Mm. I've told you before, because I've watched that film so many times when I was like four or five, all I can remember are like little bits of dialogue. I can't remember anyone's character name. And all I could hear is him saying, what's that got to do with it? And I was like, what is this? What is this? What is this? And he's talking about when the librarian is led on the table and one of the Ghostbusters asks if she's menstruating and Andy says, what's that got to do with it? there you go
2: back okay. off man I'm a <laughs> it's
1: too much oh actually on that high we'll have a break <laughs> There's a serial killer on the loose. So here, so Helen wants to help, but then she doesn't. So I liked that it's realistic that people don't just, you know, they aren't just one thing all the time. But for a film, it's a little bit frustrating. So she prank calls, well, no, she didn't prank call, but she's accused of making prank calls to the police's office. And then when MJ and Ruben go around, she's like, no, I don't
2: want to help you. Do you like the fact that we very early on see that the serial killer isn't any of the supporting cast because I think it's a really stupid idea. In The Bone Collector, which is one of the things that The Bone Collector gets right, you are left guessing, in theory, yeah. who the killer might be yeah. of this supporting cast. Is it the police captain? Is it that guy? Is it that guy? In this, you could quite easily be like, oh, is it so-and-so? Maybe it is Dumb Ronny. He's too nice. Yeah. You could be left guessing until we get that shot of of the guy in glasses, like uh, not even sort of like a suggestive, oh, you can't really see him. It's like, it's this guy. So it's none of these people. So here's
1: a weirdness. In the, uh, in an early scene in the police station, he's there. Peter's there. In on, and Because he, he, he's obviously a movie star and he's got quite big... And he's quite handsome. I was like, "Oh, he's a he's a character. He's going to say something." Because mm-hmm. the camera sort of is on him a little bit. It's not a close up, but he's not uh, an extra and he's not in the crowd.
3: He is standing up in the lecture theatre yeah. at the beginning, he is. and you is see he? him. You yeah. see him three times. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, really? Which I
3: love. Yeah. I never I think even that's noticed. Awesome. Yeah, that is awesome. I, yeah, you have to watch it again yeah. because cause it doesn't linger on anyone, but it's very clearly him in the middle of the screen. Because so, as you say, he's he's got movie star looks.
1: Yeah, and then maybe that's why I picked him <laughs> out of the police station because it was in my brain that I maybe seen him before. yeah subconsciously yeah yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. I, it, it's like it's all it, what it does is then puts. So this is where it again suffers from not being seven. Once you know who it is, all you're watching is in a very voyeuristic sense and a gruesome sense, murder. Mm. But because with seven there was a gimmick to it that you could follow, and it's like, how will he do this? With this, the gimmick is who is he going to replicate next? But if this is a really sort of dark thing to say. But can you kind of already know what he's going to do, so it's not as enticing?
3: I don't mind it. I don't mind that the lack of the mystery. Uh, aspect to this one. And I actually prefer it to how they do it in the bone collector, but I'll tell you why on Thursday, because it'll take me a while to explain. But I think they do it better here.
2: Mm. Um The Captain calls Holly Hunter a pushy broad. <laughs> he does because
3: it's the 50s, because she's, <laughs> she's <laughs> just trying to she's trying to do her job.
1: Well, it's interesting that you said that she was written as a man because I think they went, Oh shit, if we have a woman, has anyone seen Silence of the Lambs?
2: She is a lot like Clary's. Yeah, there's a Starling. lot of Clarice oh, going on. Totally.
1: The scene, which we'll get to where they do the thing with the police lyrics, and she's a lawn woman in a room full of men Men and has to control the room, that's lifted from that.
2: Yeah. And um, can we quickly touch on Will Patton's character? Sure, yeah. Uh, Nico. Uh, what the hell is that subplot about? I don't and know. why is it there? And what on earth? I don't know. It's just bonkers, it is bonkers that he has this former relationship with her mm. and is jealous of Dermot Mulroney and their relationship. Goes nowhere, takes up a lot of time.
1: Yeah, it's a shame. And the way it's resolved, it, I didn't expect that from her kind of thing. I thought she would be a bit more mad at him for basically getting her soulmate killed. Mm. Um, but yeah, back to Helen. It's hard, I think it's hard to root for Helen because although it's realistic, she's like, I will help you, I won't help you. Um, it, You know, she's the heroine figure at the end, and it's a little bit difficult when it gets to the denouement that um she's just been a bit sort of flip floppy with helping.
2: So, this is where Holly Hunter and Dem Moroni go and sit opposite her yeah. and try and convince her to go back to LV 426. But <laughs> she doesn't want to. She's seen she what these things can want do.
1: To. Yeah, that's so true.
2: <laughs> it's Burke and Gorman. <laughs> it is Burke and Gorman telling Ripley to get on the ship.
1: That's so true. And also, because we keep saying, like, what a great guy Ruben is. But when he sees Helen having a panic attack and Andy says she's agoraphobic, he's like, what, you're afraid
2: of spiders? Dickhead. Have you ever, ever heard a line that you're like, I mean, I think uh, whether it was Anne and uh, who just sort of wrote and went, oh, shit, that's funny. And just kept it in without going, it doesn't work for the character
3: because it makes him stupid Yeah, and it's the only point in the film where he's stupid. But you jumped ahead to when they reveal Peter. They don't reveal Peter till 50 minutes in is the actual killer. Okay, And I think the Nico thing and the Ruben thing, they are trying to set up people as potentially people in, in the in the uh, investigation who might be doing the killing.
1: Oh, okay. Nico, um, because
3: I think with Ruben, in terms of the fact he says stupid things, he, um, he's he got a lot of girls on the go and he's, it's almost like he's been quite disrespectful to women the way he's yeah. sort of using them and then he's really good on computers and they establish that the killer's good on computers. Oh, yeah. It does put a question mark over his head.
2: Yeah, right. Which is, brings me back to my point. Why undo that by showing the killer? I thought you said you liked the fact that they show the killer. Because you get an
3: hour of it. You get an hour of it and then, and then the last half hour is is watching the killer no, actually do his thing. oh no way. Absolutely not. No, the killer comes in really near the start. 50 minutes, though. He's not revealed until 50 minutes in. You see him in a police station, but you don't know it's him. You see him in the close-up shot, tapping away on a computer, making the video a
2: lot earlier than 50 minutes. You don't yeah. see his face, though. You see enough of him to know that he doesn't look like
3: Derma or Didn't Will. I do so.
1: Yeah. Um, also talking about MJ, uh, I, I like this, that she's not completely nice. She's very sweet and fun and wise. and Not fun, actually, but um, she's fun to watch. But then when MJ and Ruben are leaving Helen's apartment, MJ describes Helen as a crackpot, pill-popping, juice-head, agoraphobic asshole, mm-hmm. which is like, okay, so you two don't get on, which is fine, and it's not completely resolved by the end, which I like. Um, and also, this because this is the 90s, so Andy being Helen's assistant, it's like some sort of weird exposure therapy. Like They leave the pictures of dead girls in a traumatised woman's apartment, and Andy's like, you choose live or die. Look at the pictures. And it's like, can it not be we could I could go out to the supermarket maybe and try and reintegrate. No, look at these pictures of dead girls. Live or die, you decide. Which is odd, but there we are. Um, another dead Ruben moment, the bit with the fucking takeaway, where he's like, I've got you Japanese food and she's like, Where's my burger? Yeah. <laughs> and then he gets it out of his pocket.
2: No one puts a burger in a pocket.
1: No. Greasy, mm,
3: just a terrible idea. But the
1: minute he gets that burger out, I was like, "You are so dead." Because mm. you, or you, oh, you respect her choices, <laughs> so you've
3: got to I, die. I've told you this before. Uh, quite a well-known actor's um, uh, other half offered me a burger from her handbag. Really? Yeah. Who? Um, I can't really say. I can't really say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's very strange. but in, I can't say. In what situation?
1: At a party it was, was just eat- Japanese food and Chris went nuts about it. <laughs> yeah. I've so, so. got some
3: burgers. She had like two burgers in her handbag. And she just gave one to you. I didn't have it. No, oh, I said, no. thanks, <laughs> I'm fine. That's really weird. <laughs> you should have had it. You should have that. Would
2: make this story better, yeah.
1: And now, I've got a big point here because I wasn't expecting to feel like this because I definitely didn't feel like it when I watched it in the 90s. And I think this is indicative of how our understanding of let's not give these serial killers too much glamorization and sort of And try to understand people like that. But anyway, in in terms of the language of the film, right, Helen looks at the photos and MJ and Ruben come back around and she says super quick, he does this, he does this, he does this. So he's either a mental patient or an ex-boyfriend. And it's like, okay. So she's been doing this for 20 years. And at the very start, she was like, serial killers are just like you and me. So not, quote marks, mental patients. In reality, the amount of, quote marks, mental patients that are serial killers, is scant. They're basically quote much normal people.
2: No, she's but she's talking about it was a test that they gave her. They she, slipped
1: in one different And that's water. who she's
2: talking about. She's talking about the person who murdered the test was a, a mental patient or an ex-boyfriend. She's not talking about the serial killer at that oh, point. Oh, OK. Yeah, they were giving her a test and she picks up on that and goes, you put this one in here on purpose to test me. OK. And fine. that's who murdered that girl was a mental patient or an ex-boyfriend. Oh, okay. So she's actually in the club.
1: I mean, the mental patient thing is lazy and you shouldn't do that. But yeah. that really did me in because it's like, C- uh, C- uh, Cullum, he tried the I'm mad defence and she, by saying he could hear Joan of Arc in his left ear and she's mm. like, when people have auditory hallucinations, they hear them on both sides. So she undid his defence to say, I'm mad me. I couldn't possibly have done it. So I was like, you can't then revert to, well, the mad person did this. Like That's not good, but I misread that. Okay, so here, let's meet our killer who I'll call Peter because that is his name. He is copycatting notorious serial killers, the Boston Strangler, the Hillside Stranglers, son of Sam, Ted Bundy. Now, um, we meet Peter and this, I think there's a scene here which is to sort of explain why he feels wronged by society and there's he's at home mm. with a woman who is his...
2: I'm saying partner.
1: Mom? I oh, thought, no.
3: Mum. Yeah, I thought Mum. But then he calls her darling. Yeah, yeah Mrs. Mrs. Isn't it? Yeah, okay. And she likes, but she's in love. She likes the dog better. She than She prefers
1: him. a small dog to him. Mm. He's, Therefore he's people, a serial killer. He's killing
3: people because he's henpecked.
1: Oh God, is that what it is? It
3: seems to be. Yeah. Oh
1: no! Oh, I don't like that.
3: Go back to your, <laughs> go back to your silly little computers. Don't upset the nerds. <laughs> 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 I really like
2: this scene where he's sort of awkward. Like he's clearly there's no love in this relationship. He's not attracted to her because he gets off on killing people, yeah, uh, specifically women. And so he goes. The camera follows him all the way downstairs yeah, from that good. bedroom mm. down into a sex dungeon
3: laboratory thing. And yeah. there's a girl there with a bag over her head. That's a great scene. Mm. And, he's, really and he's whistling while we mm. while we view it all. And he's sort of having a great time. And it's yeah, it's really well shot. That and that bit yeah. where he looms over with a syringe. and He's like, this is gonna hurt.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah, Yeah. but then takes a. uh,
3: It's
2: the POV shot as well. The POV shot and a scalpel
1: near the plastic bag, and you're like, "What are you going to do with that?" And then when he just pops a hole in it, that's a sense of relief. Oh, very, very. Um, that's quite scary. Mm. Um, but now Peter is in Helen's house, so she tries to leave, but she can't. So you get that twisty corridor thing to show uh, how much of a feat that would be for her. So much so that she'd rather be inside her house with someone she knows is a freaking serial killer. I think at this point. So, yeah, then we... <laughs> We're gonna move to this. I didn't get this. So, Peter leaves a note by one of his murders, which is the lyrics to Murder by Numbers by the Police, right?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you've skipped over... Have we skipped over the moment where he sends the video to her? Oh, and yeah. <laughs> we, I mean, if only because, first of all, I, I, you hear Sigourney Weaver say a phrase that I haven't heard since probably 1995, I'm creaming you.
1: Oh, uh, York, it's horrible. It's horrible. You,
2: I remember people saying that when you were beating someone, you were like, I'm creaming you. Gross. Yeah, really gross. She says that to the person she's beating on the computer. And then you've got uh, Dermot, who's going to help bit, her yeah. with the, <laughs> the video that's been sent, the message that's been sent. And he starts talking about how he's got access to a computer. <laughs> and he says... He's hacked into her internet address. I love
1: that. And he's like, oh, how did this happen? Someone must have hacked into her internet address. Or, wait, sent her an email because she's got an email address. (laughs) It's the best thing in the world. And then they're like, that file is gone. But she seems to know quite a lot about
2: like DOS and file pass. Like she's sort of going beep, 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 beep More but. than him who calls it an internet address. <laughs> yeah. bless him. Uh, and then there's that weird sort of semi-romance, not a romance between him yeah. and her, which is only strange because he's this kind of flirting and she clearly likes him. And then he's like, oh yeah, but you're a witness, so you're in that category. Yeah. And then as she gets up to leave him, she kisses him on the forehead. Yeah, that's weird. Which sort of goes from flirting to quite maternal, maternal yeah. which then cuts to... Peter kissing his mom other half on her forehead, which is a weird bit of symmetry.
1: I liked it because there's a scene where Helen is with Andy and he's the sweetest, nicest friend in the world equals dead. And she's like, oh, I miss sex. And he's like, well, go and get some. She's like, nah, I'm not going to (laughs) bother. So when Ruben's in her house, she's like, but we could. And he's like, no, we can't. So I don't think it was a relationship thing. She was just like, oh, I've realised I miss sex. You're literally in my house. Why don't we just... Square that circle, kind of thing. Right. And then it's a good sort of uh, little bit of grit in the relationship between her and MJ, because she's, you know, sort of the wrong idea about what happened with Ruben. Yeah.
2: I like that though. It didn't play for me at all. I was, I sort of, I'd forgotten about it. I didn't really understand. Uh, Helen and Dermot uh, Sigourney and Dermot I didn't understand what that the was The kiss on the head is strange I didn't understand that Holly Hunter's character had basically then thought something happened between them so I'm not happy Yeah and I wondered if she would even be bothered yeah. She seems a bit too cool for that See I didn't really see any romance I didn't think they were soulmates Holly Hunter and Dermot Oh my god Moroni. I did really? yeah. Oh my god yeah I just thought she really
3: liked him They and were playing
1: of... the long game they knew where it was going to end so there right. was no rush Like okay. I thought it was really I
3: was lovely. more into MJ and Helen getting together
1: Really? Yeah
3: I think that would have eventually <laughs> happened I don't I think there is a connection there.
1: Trauma does bring people together. So the thing is...
3: <laughs> yeah, do the sting thing.
1: The sting thing, right. So Helen... Wait, no. First of all, MJ's in the room reading out the lyrics to a song, <laughs> an actual song by the police. Murder everyone, by Numbers, Mur- yeah. It's called Murder by Numbers.
3: Well, I like think, I like thinking it was on the soundtrack at first. It was quite a shock to me when I suddenly realised it was diegetic and they, it was yeah, in the room. it's
1: just... Yeah. So then they take the lyrics to Helen to parse their meaning. But I was like they're the lyrics to Murder by Numbers. Yeah. So why? So-, <laughs> so
2: why does no one go? So the killers in the
1: stick? police. <laughs> Sting is the murderer. He's like he's talking about a threesome. He's
2: like he's not. Sting is and for the second for the second
3: week. I'm going to mention only murders in the building, but Sting, the actual Sting, becomes a suspect in that series.
2: Is he in it? He is in it. He <laughs> lives. Sting. Sting
3: lives in the building as Sting. Yeah, he's like Sting. He's Sting is Sting, Sting in the show.
1: So yeah. So oh, Helen is telling you what Sting meant. But also, it freakishly <laughs> applies to Peter's life <laughs> and what Peter is about to do, which is a hell of a coincidence. <laughs> and it, Peter must have been choked. <laughs> but there you go. But Sting is the killer. Then. <laughs> must be hundred percent. Must be. So then she. So there's a. She's going to. This is. It, this is a bit I was talking about. She's. She's meant to have this thing about booze, specifically brandy, which is gross. But she's like, I brush my teeth, swig of brandy, and then I. I was. I'm. Mean, you, you know, no, I like no, a you. drink. Jesus. <laughs> I was like, yuck, Helen. But then I was like, well, she's going to do some work in bed, so maybe she brushes her teeth twice.
2: I don't know. Um, I've done that. I've gone, I'm going to bed, I'll brush my teeth, and then I'll go, actually... Actually, and then I'll brush them again. You okay, can, uh,
1: you can do that, I suppose. So she finds uh, a copy of Daryl Lee Cullum's book in her bed with a finger and there's ants everywhere. And I didn't know that ants liked blood particularly. And I thought there must be some sugar somewhere <laughs> to attract <laughs> the ants. Uh, but anyway, then she has to do a prison zoom with Daryl Lee Cullum, <laughs> who instantly tells them who they're looking for, but uses the name Peter Curtin, who was the vampire of Dusseldorf. But anyway, they have this lead, which is brilliant. But then they totally fuck up and drop the lead because dead meat Mulroney's gotta get killed. Mm. So this scene, this it's mm. it's you know, I don't know. This I think you can be equal, like, oh, it's brilliant that it's inconsequential that what happens to him to get him killed. Also, it's it's
3: extremely frustrating. Because it's, it's it's it might be inconsequential, but it's way too convenient, the timing of it.
1: That's true. Yeah. And it's one of those silly things that so what happens is Nico leaves his drawer, the keys in his drawer. There's a suspect in there that only speaks Mandarin Chinese. So we don't know what's wrong with him (laughs) because he's really shouting. But even the translation... This is the
2: Chinatown operation that keeps getting referred to. the Chinatown
1: operation. Mm. No one knows what that actually is. No. And there's a translator there who's like, I don't actually even speak (laughs) Mandarin, apparently. Because they say to him, tell him to put the gun down. He says, I don't know how to say that. It's like, get someone else. Like, you work in a police station. Anyway, um, so he takes Ruben hostage. MJ's the only person who can save him. She does a shoulder shot. And this... This kid is intent on going to prison for the rest of his life for some reason. Because even though he's down, he's like, no, fuck it, I will kill a cop actually. Which is mad yep. and and blows him away. Yeah. So he's dead. And it's awful. And I felt really, really sorry for him. It.
2: It's a really effective scene. Yeah. I mean, it is, like you say, very convenient in terms of the timing, but god damn if you don't love Dermot by this point and I know. you're like, he's, I couldn't believe he'd gone. I didn't remember him dying, and I was like, oh no, that's a real Bomber on this movie. It's a real
1: bummer. and there's a weird sort of button on the Nico and MJ thing where she says, "You're in a lot of trouble because you left a key in your drawer," and he's like, "Well, maybe I'll just—I can't remember what he says. Like, maybe I'll—who would give a fuck if I disappeared? Kind of thing. It's the sort of thing he says. Well, he has that
2: big speech about going, and yeah. it's all about I, him, the selfish I, I, bastard. I wished him dead so many times. Yeah. He, uh, says and he now he's gi- dead. I'm like,
3: oh, I didn't really wish that. him dead. Yeah. He says he would give his life to bring him back. That's right.
1: Yeah, and i if I was her, I'd be like, this isn't about you right now. It's probably about me because I'm really sad because you just killed my actual boyfriend.
2: And also you don't need to be here. Drop this entire section. This yeah. could, Holly could just <laughs> yeah. be really upset because, you know, it was her plan that failed. It shouldn't be. Why is Nico there sharing this yeah. misery with and her? And also
1: why does she suddenly find a, a reservoir of sympathy to say, I care about you, even though you did just kill my
2: boyfriend?
1: Mm. Uh, anyway, so because Ruben I dead, love Will
2: Patton. Get rid of Will Patton in this movie. Wow, okay, that's big.
1: Um, Ruben's dead so we have to immediately kill Andy because Andy's the other good person. Oh, yeah, he
2: gets damaged. <laughs> he does. Yep. Yeah, and that's horrible. It's a really, it's, it's probably the nastiest death.
1: It is the nastiest death because even though it's with the, you know, I go talk about fridging quite a lot and fridging tends to happen quite early to give a male character, some sort of personality like her and stuff like that. I think this is just to hurt Helen. I don't think he gets fridged for two. It progresses the plot, but only in terms of we've got this scant plot, which is Peter is copying notorious serial killers. So
2: He does it on purpose, though. He knows and He he is intentionally trying to hurt Helen at this point. Does he know who Andy
1: is? Yes. Oh, He's okay. been hmm.
2: spying on the apartment. Oh, yeah, of course. All right, fair enough.
1: Anyway, uh, Sue so, Helen golds Peter into coming for her and mocks up the picture of Peter Curtin, the vampire of Dusseldorf, wedding who's got his wedding photo with
2: her own face. Now, I was around in 1995 and no one had, no one just casually had this skill of editing and photoshopping videos so, no. this easily.
1: No. And also, they're meant to be terrifying, but they're really funny. Yeah. <laughs> They don't look scary at
2: all. So I'm confused. What was this plan here? Why is she luring him to the apartment? What was I don't, her plan? Well, because I don't know. she she does she sends the invitation mocking him, yeah, and then proceeds to do nothing. Yeah. having basically said, "Come get me," yeah, like you don't see her create a plan that is then that then fails when no he arrives. No micro machines in the apartment. Like, <laughs> nothing. Shit. You actually came. Oh, fuck fuck, here. I should have. Ah, now I see why. Yeah, should have I done. am. I'm very, I'm
1: wholly unprepared. For Can this. of pain. <laughs> <No, I'm- laughs> yeah. So that's the thing. The plan works because Peter arrives, but it goes wrong because he bashes her on the head, and then he takes her back to the bathroom where she had her run in to recreate that. And it's fine for her in terms of we're watching our character, but why? Why this serial killer who is copycatting the most notorious serial killers of ever? in the US at least, why he would be so um, enamoured of Daryl Lee Cullum that he would try and reenact his final move kind mm. of thing. Um, I didn't really buy Well, hasn't
3: Daryl been contacting him from prison? I feel yeah. like that's the implication yeah, yeah. of the final scene, that Daryl's been pulling the strings behind the scenes. Sure,
1: but you think someone like Peter Foley in this would be like, you are not big time enough for me, to be honest. Like, I'm going for the big names. He doesn't even get to do his Ted Bundy. Well, so. I think,
2: but Ted Bundy is a red herring. He basically makes it seem like it's going to be mm, Ted yeah. Bundy it's to then yeah. do um, Daryl Lee Cullen. I think the it's in, the insinuation is that Daryl Lee Cullen is a charmer beyond belief, and yeah. he has this gift of the gab that convinces these young people to do these things. So Peter is very much his pawn. He set up the whole thing. He said, copycat these murders, which will get you to this point, which will get you to kill Helen. Are you saying yeah. he's a bit
3: like Hannibal Lecter? <laughs>
2: I think because that is
3: Hannibal's (laughs) plot. Um, William McNamara plays Peter. Yeah. I found a quote from him. He says, When you play the bad guy, you can also overact a little bit. I love to overact, and the bad guy gives you license to do that a bit, which he very much does in this scene. I very much enjoy him combing his hair, you know, when he's explaining what he's going to do. What I do feel sorry How about. How many him, ticks can I give? <laughs>
2: <laughs> My he is going for pick it. One. Pick
3: one. Pick one.
2: He's, he's very particular it. about his hair. Just but that.
3: He, he's, he's had a solid career, done TV movies, done TV, done bits and pieces, but this is probably his biggest role. And he wasn't allowed to do any press for this role because they didn't want to give away who the killer was.
2: Mm. But oh, that's daft. <laughs> I feel
3: really sorry for him, though. That, this was his moment. And though, he could, couldn't talk to anyone about it. Yeah. yeah. Well, Spacey wasn't on the credits for Seven, though. He was famous already. Yeah, oh, yeah he was, yeah.
1: I like that uh, this scene. So Helen is like, strung up again in that very 90s, matchy, matchy suit and shoes, which she just wouldn't do today. But she tries to disrupt his power by calling him a twerp, which is
3: excellent, mm. and
1: spitting on him, which mm. he does
3: not like. Sad, second-rate, boring, impotent little copycat.
1: Yeah. Um, So MJ arrives because she's kind of got to. And I like the bit where Helen takes her foot off the toilet seat so that she's going to strangle herself Mm. to stop the inevitable killing of MJ. Um, That's a good moment. Unexpected. Yeah. Um, Yeah.
2: Because he's because it will ruin his perfect
1: setup. Yeah, but it's written backwards, isn't it? Because it's like, what situation could you have? Daryl Lee Cullum, as a killer is hoisting up his intended victim by her neck. That's not. He doesn't want her to die. She's got a foot. She can, you know, she can live like that. So what's that? What What is that?
2: Well, he was going to kill her, but the other cop that went to the bathroom interrupted his plan. So he was going to make her watch. He wanted to scare her first because he wanted her to understand the fear because she put him away and he'd escaped. So he had a vendetta against her. So he's going to make her suffer watching the cop die. Then he was going to kill her. But then the other cop interrupts.
1: Yeah, it's very elaborate. And I think it's written so you can go, although there there is a chance that she could disrupt the plan by almost killing herself. That's Mm. the only thing.
3: I I like the way, though, that both women now have to face their fear in the climax, the agoraphobia and the the shooting to kill. It's just a shame that pro-shooting to kill is the is the solution for MJ's character.
1: And I do think it's a massive error, although it would be super cheesy, but and I think that's better than this, that there's a scene about 20 minutes before this where MJ is putting on a bulletproof vest and someone's like, what are you doing? She's like, I'm putting on a bulletproof (laughs) vest. So that when she gets shot multiple times in the bathroom, you know she's going to be all right. You're just waiting for the moment that she turns up. Um, So yeah, like you said, she she disarms Peter and then she's like, oh shit, sorry, no, I didn't mean to do that, and kills him a lot. Mm -hmm. that's kind of it. Daryl then tries to recruit someone else and licks an envelope for about twelve minutes. And I was watching the final credits. And I was like, "Is it a freeze frame?" No, it's or, not, but it? it's not. No, it's not. So he's just acting mm. <laughs> forever. A couple of weird
2: decisions here, which is uh, that shot on him as the credits roll yeah. is weird. Yeah, and also, I mean. I find it difficult when a movie goes get ready for Copycat 2 in their final reel and you're like, you ain't getting a sequel. (laughs) It just, it's so embarrassing for the film to go, you are that arrogant to go, oh, but wait
3: until you see what
2: happened. We're not, it's not Uh, been greenlit.
3: I am surprised there wasn't a series of straight to DVD Copycat sequels. No um, Helen, no Sigourney, but Harry Connick would be back for those. (laughs) (laughs) That's what only 12 million profit does for you though.
1: Yeah, uh, that's it. That's that's me done.
2: Yeah, that really is it. That Good. really
1: is it. So, uh, Alex, what would you say your best scene was?
2: Uh, the apartment, Peter's apartment, where he goes from kissing his mom-wife on the forehead <laughs> to uh, strolling down the stairs having a jolly old time. Look, there's a girl with a plastic bag on her head. Yep.
3: What about you? I'm struggling. I'm going to say I like the opening sequence. I like the opening sequence going from the lecture theatre to the bathroom. I think it's a strong start.
1: Yeah. I like the bathroom shootout at the end because I like the bit when Peter was Where he wakes a, up yeah. as a cop. You yeah. weren't, I've seen it before. I'd forgotten well, and it's still
2: good. Do you think you've seen it before or after? No,
1: I mean in this film. Oh, okay. In, you think I would yeah. remember that because it's a cool thing.
2: Yeah, you do feel, because he does the same ruse at the apartment door. Yeah. Where he's pretending. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think it's Saw. I think it's the first... Is it, I can't remember. It's one of the Saw movies where I think that happens. Yeah, it's good, I liked it's
1: it. Good and also, you know, it's when MJ gets shot, she gets shot like 70 times and smashes the mirror and it's all very exciting and dramatic and that's why I liked
2: it. Uh, alternative uh, best scene.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: what? He's hacked her internet address. <laughs> One of those two.
3: <laughs> of
1: <course. laughs> He's just sent her an email. Ruben, is it's fine. Uh, your most valuable whatever, Chris.
3: Struggling again. But, what? Um, Why Alex, are you struggling so much with this movie? I'm gonna. I'm gonna. You've inspired me. Uh, my most valuable ever is the 1995 internet. <laughs> <laughs> The forums, the chat rooms, the online chess, and the animated GIFs, GIFs, whatever you call them, were most enjoyable. Taking a walk down memory lane.
1: Yeah, there's something mm. in that.
3: What about you? Dermot Mulroney, like he is. It was the... Dylan McDermott, wasn't it? No. Was it? Which no. one is
2: it? <laughs> <laughs> He's, uh, for me, uh, sorry, but he is the only likable character in this. Uh, I, I don't like, I think MJ, Holly Hunter's character, switches from scene to scene like I think both and I think Dermot Mulroney suffers uh, the same thing I think especially at the start you're really really struggling to get a handle on who they are like she's so flippant at points where she walks in to the girl who's been strangled in the bath and she walks into the crime scene and she looks at it and goes wild and you're like what are you like, yeah. That seems like the, you're not affected by this at all. If anything, you're kind of excited by the murder, which never comes back into play. Yeah, I think Dermot Roroni, uh, you know, he gets my vote because he checks out by dying and so gets the sympathy vote, vote as well. I mean, you don't like women, do you?
1: That's mad. <laughs> Holy Hunter. You
2: know how much I love Sigourney Weaver? mm Holly Hunter is really, really good in this. Tell me why she says "wild" in that scene. Then, what is what does that mean?
1: I think she is um, she's trying to diffuse the drama of the situation by being flippant.
2: Reaching is what you do. <laughs> well, I am. I
1: didn't. I wish you'd not asked me that. But do you, the script goes to a lot of trouble to make it seem like she is she's thoughtful. She always addresses people by their first name. Characters that are not important. Hi, Mike. How are you doing? Da da da. Always. Hi, Bill. How's the family? All of that. So she's personable, she's the boss cop, she gets shit done.
2: She's horrible um, about Helen when she leaves the room behind her back that's the first a, yeah. time she meets her, but which is do- a very strange thing to do. It's like why why would you say that? So someone's ill, like yeah. why would you be like what, what is she trying to she trying to make Dermot's character laugh or yeah. is she just being a bit of a fucking bitch?
1: Yeah, it is a bad moment. I just wondered if it was there because the temptation when you've got two women as your two main protagonists is just to make them bezies all the time and like...
2: But you don't want to swing the pendulum so far the other way that you're left going, that was a really, really aggressive attack yeah. on someone who you've just met who... For no reason.
1: But do you not think, like, when Sigourney Weaver says to her, what is this, does this wide-eyed little girl thing always work? And she's like, yeah, most of the time. And it's like, that's really good. That's <laughs> a, Yeah,
2: sure. That is a nice moment. But yeah. I just think, I think the moments like that are diluted by the fact that, there like, you know, you can pick out five moments where she does stuff that doesn't really fit with the character that she could be. Yeah, are well, you just like a nice girl, I guess. I don't know. I mean, you actually don't, so I
1: don't
2: know. <laughs> No, I, I, I like a bad a, 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 a bad bitch. <laughs> Try it again. Jesus Christ.
3: Let's move on. Let's move on. That is such a
2: mood killer. <laughs> no, what just, is wrong with did you? did it on purpose. I did, it. did I? Yes. <laughs> anyway. I'm just, I'm just trying to get, I'm giving you an out for... Where, where band were band we? That.
3: Holly Hunter cannot be your MVW. Oh, she I she really is. Are excellent. <laughs> <laughs> and, she, and she can't be wrong because it's her MVW. Yeah. Uh,
1: what would you change, Alex?
2: Uh, lose the half-baked romantic subplot where Will Patton and Mulroney hating each other because Patton used to date Hunter and thinks there's a romantic thing going on with them or whatever the fuck that entire strand is. Yeah.
3: What about you? I hate that I'm saying this because uh, I really don't like things to be too joined up, but I think this movie might work better if you have Ruben's death happen at the hands of our serial killer because as it stands, it's just too much of a random and convenient subplot.
1: Yeah, fair enough. I mean, I think because it plays into what Helen is saying herself at the start, she does this big lecture about, not just about the demographic of serial killers, but like they, what does she say? Uh, they hold down jobs. They make good neighbours. They're quite normal people. And it would be nice to see Peter, if we're going to reveal it's Peter, doing a bit more of the normal thing, being a normal person, being well-liked, being a good neighbour, holding down a job and all the rest of it. Just a little bit more of that because that's meant to be the horror that the serial killer movie mm-hmm. taps into. Yeah. Okay. That's it. Yes. Yeah, I just uh, the other the the other thing was we'll talk about it in the bone collector as well. It's like I think it's of its time that we do not spend any time with the victims. The victims are there as bodies, they're not there as people. And I think if you made it now, and I wonder if that is because of the sort of the resurgence in like true crime, there's a lot more women interested in it and sort of working in that space. I I don't I don't know if they're working in the sort of like legal sphere more than they were then, but there's a lot of women-led Stuff about serial killers, mm-hmm. and so there's been a shift away from someone who also listens to that sort of thing, away from let's talk about Ed Geen as what happened to him, what could possibly have happened to him, and let's look more at the victims.
2: It's weird that you say that. We'll talk about it on Thursday, but I felt exactly the same about the bone collector, more so than this for some reason. But the bone yeah. collector, I think, would have been more effective. Well, they give us one don't they? Andy. We we get to form a yes and um, which is what i said earlier which is why i think his death is probably one of the most horrific because you have at least spent some time with yeah. him stroking poor stonny yeah yeah, yeah. Okay, that's it. All right,
3: that is copycats done. Are we doing a quiz, Chris? Yeah, I was going to... V- Vicky, I was going to make you happy and then I changed my mind because <laughs> because I was going to do a quiz about real-life serial killers and then I just... It felt... It was feeling tasteless. Oh, I weird. felt so, like I was going to be knew, exploiting them like copycat. Yeah, yeah. I
1: knew you were going to think of that. <laughs> yeah. And I would. I was going to say to you privately, I don't get hung up on their names because I, wanna, I don't really want to give them that credit. I'm, no. I'm fascinated yeah. by and I don't all wanna, of it. But, and
3: this is supposed to be a laugh. And
1: I could imagine you saying, who chopped the heads off? We're going, Dharma! Yeah, yeah. so I I haven't done that. I haven't done
3: that. I've done what I think is a sequel to an old quiz we've done. I'm giving you some fictional serial killers and you've got to give me the movie. Okay. Fictional serial killers. We're naming So if I said Peter, what's his chops? You'd say copycat. So we're kicking off with Billy Loomis.
2: Oh shit, I know this.
1: I do
3: know this. We've done it. Shit. (laughs) Uh, Oh my God. Oh,
2: he's in
1: Silence of the Lambs.
3: Nope. And we have done it. We had a guest on for it.
1: No, it's... Uh... No, shush. I'm trying to disrupt your thought shush. process. Stop One, two, disrupting, two, three, two, disrupting <laughs> my thought process. It's, it's
3: a slasher comedy. Scream? Correct. Oh, oh thank God. Skeet Ulrich is Billy Loomis. Oh, thank oh God. God. That hurt. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mickey Knox.
2: Uh, Mickey <laughs> and, um, and Mallory, more killers. killers! Yes. Shh.
3: I'm giving that Alex. Sorry, Vicky. He got in there just just before you. Uh, maybe, maybe not. John Kramer. <laughs> Uh, Kramer versus Kramer. Mm-hmm.
1: That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> That's a pitch. What if he got really John, angry? John Kramer,
3: he had a nickname. Oh, and, Seinfeld. And the <laughs> second half of his, uh, the second half of the title of the film is his nickname. Uh, the Zodiac, Zodiac. Man. Um, And it is, I think it might be the biggest horror franchise of all time. It's so, not his,
1: Correct! Yay! <laughs> uh,
3: <laughs> correct. He is uh, Jigsaw, is John Kramer. Uh, Bob. Uh, 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 Firewall with me. Yeah. Twin Peaks. Oh, shit. To all. Uh, Scorpio, who is based on Zodiac Killer. And yeah. I've been talking about this film to you guys for a while, About we might do it soon. Zodiac.
1: Um, oh. The other oh, film. Um, the one. Yeah, wait. No. Dirty Harry. Correct. Yes. <laughs>
0: <Correct>.
3: <laughs> all right. I
1: nearly just went. The Clint Eastwood one. And then you
3: would have. God,
1: i finally
2: learned. <laughs> <She's>
3: learning. <laughs> all right. Finally. this You need this to draw, Alex. Yellow bastard.
2: Uh, Sin City.
3: Oh, oh Boo man. Okay, tiebreaker. <laughs> uh, what was Francis Dollarhide better known as in Man? The Tooth And oh, Alex oh, got yeah. it. <laughs> 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 he slashed victory from the jaws of defeat oh and he's so happy the knobhead <laughs> only because it was close I got yeah. a bit excited only because it was close this week which is rare it's pathetic
1: but I'm taking it it makes me feel better that it was that close <laughs> it
2: was close you nearly did it <laughs> <laughs> you nearly 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 did it but you didn't right then <laughs> next week uh, we're looking ahead uh, Chris I believe it's your choices next week have you got a clue for us Unless you guys came with anything better.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Um, What we're going to do, we're going to shoot a little video with a better clue in the pub afterwards. But this is the clue. What's your shit clue? This is the clue on here. It is... (laughs) It's Junoir. Junior Noir. (laughs) Junoir.
1: Okay. That is funny, All right? Do it again.
3: Junoir, Noir Junoir. noir. Du noir. Du noir. <laughs> Head to our Twitter. <laughs> and there's a better one there.
2: Juneau, Juneau, Junois, <laughs> Juneau. It would make more
3: sense if I'd actually done that on Twitter and just written it yeah, down and it would. seen the switch of the letters. Juneau, <laughs>
2: Yeah. Right, OK. Uh, have fun with that clue. I'll probably wait until the Twitter one comes up as well. Uh, there you go. That is your clue for next week. Before then, we're back on Thursday talking 1999 to The Bone Collector. In the meantime, please subscribe, rate, and lead reviewers if you have the time. It's a great help. And check in on us on Twitter and Instagram at ClashPod. Bye-bye. Speak to you Thursday.
0: This was a Stack Production and part of the Acast Creative Network.